Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the NXT 2 but. Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture. Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT, but also pay-per-views, premium live event interviews, roundtable discussions. And a roundup of the week completes with a big quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by the Dadly Boys to review NXT 2.0. I don't know what it is about this show, Hamplet, but I had a really good time watching it last night. I just, I'm excited for the future. Yeah, we all know exactly what it is, and we'll get to it in the review. How long, because they're my favourite things, to, like, one of my favourite things of the working week is the NXT 2.0 intro for the review and preview that you do. Mm-hmm. When is it going to be like that? bit in Family Guy where Peter Griffin names all 50 states with a screen. I'm all watching a podcast. With That's the whole thing just done like that. Save it. I would say like it'd be great because it gives us more time to actually talk about the show, but the show in question is 2.0. Mm-hmm. So if anything, that's the one where it needs to be getting stretched out, you know? Do that one on Dynamite. It's Dynamite, baby. <laughs> culture. And on we go. I, I, I got nothing from this, mostly. Um... Debuts, championship matches, number one contenders. What's not to like? Sitch? I got a lot of perverse entertainment out of one segment in particular. I will not tell you what that is because we want you to uh, stick around for the mid-rule ad money. (laughs) (laughs) There was a match I liked. There was a a match I genuinely liked. Is there? Just one. All right. There's a match I thought was piss funny. I cannot (laughs) wait. Can't wait to talk about it. I like that. Place your bets now, <laughs> what that may be. There was some, also something in this show that boiled my piss. We'll get to that in due course What an emotional as well. rollercoaster you were taking on by this broadcast. Indeed. Uh, right, let's start at the beginning of the show. Dive straight into it with the uh, tag team title match that started the show. Uh, it was, of course, the Creed Brothers versus our boys, Idris Anofi and Malik Blade. 
And uh, early on in the match, it was the Creeds being the Creeds. Lots of power moves, lots of chucking blokes around. Uh, Idris Anofi at one point took this bump over the ropes and landed back first on the apron, which looked like absolutely sucked. But he was presumably fine because he was soon back in, getting chucked around by Brutus again. Uh, Julius comes in, suplexes uh, both the boys. Um, there was a brief hope spot, a brief rally from Blade in an Ofe Blade. Hits his uh, flying forearm smash, runs wild for a bit, and then just gets caught by Julius on a dive. It's annoying because that sort of buggered up a little bit the finish. Julius went to do his sort of rolling power slam, but I don't know whether it was just a, a misdistribution of weight or wasn't sure what was meant to be happening. or it, They botched it, and then they just redid it again, and Brutus hit that sliding lariat of his. One, two, three. Unsurprisingly, the Creed brothers retain. Yeah, I was a bit gutted about that finish because it was this I quite liked. Um, it's talked at length, ad nauseum, really, about... Um, like the creeds having to moderate their physicality, I guess, for to kind of like normalize them a little bit to bring them in line with the WWE playbook, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, it didn't feel like there was much of that on show here. This was super, super physical, and it was the right time to do it as well. As tag team champions, it kind of it doesn't matter that they like came close in a dusty cup or there's been this ongoing. Uh, it's not so much an angle, just this lack of clarity. Uh, with Diamond Mine and never really knowing like who they are, how they fit into any of this. Now they've actually got the belts to establish an identity as champions. They've got to up the -hmm. physical side because you've got to have matches like this. We've advocated for this on other podcasts, on other shows. The Hangman Page, Donnie Martin match was a perfect example. I want to see champions in action showing why they're champions. That's an underrated, in my opinion, like quite simple thing to book on a weekly wrestling show. Well, here's a title holder. Here's why they're the best. Here's why they're the peak of their profession at present. This was one of the better examples of that I've seen from the Creeds. It's, um, I was getting bored of having to see them fight from underneath or, like, you know, continue on their journey to the gold. And now we're here. I think I quite like this. Inofi mm. and Blade are just where they are at the moment. So they're there, required more to sell than do anything else. And I was calling for them to incorporate a bit more of the comedy into the matches. I think they'll probably get there. Um, well, especially if certain someone takes them under his wing. Well, indeed. Uh, like, I like the look of the raw materials. but this Wing was, of a rocket, by the way, which is going to him. I know, I'll save it. This was just a Creed Brothers showcase in a way that I don't think we've had a lot of, and I enjoyed it for that. I was a bit disappointed for all the wrestlers with the with the finish. Yeah, the finish was just so botched that it's po- almost impossible to um, mm. like find any worth in the match itself because the finish defines it. It's the last impression, and it just felt so cooperative and ugly, and like they were just helping each other through it, which is completely antithetical to the feeling that you're meant mm-hmm. to feel when you're watching pro wrestling. I don't think the match was up to much um, throughout to begin with, if I'm being perfectly honest. It wasn't terrible, but it was nothing that would ever last um, in the memory. And I get a little bit uh, doomy when something like this happens because you realize when a system's broken and a system isn't fit for purpose, the whole thing's knackered. Like, the whole thing is literally knackered. It's a system. So when... You try and think, oh, well, it might correct itself this way. It's like, well, no, the whole thing's broken. So I was watching this go, well, you know, this is what the Largo Loop's for. Mm -hmm. The Largo Loop is for wrestlers to learn their craft, do it the same every single time out, maybe with, like, a little bit of a difference. If If a member of the audience, without having to do the most perfect, ironically perfect thing on television, there's someone in Largo having a beer and the heckle, you could say something back to them and you could have a bit of a performance art fun with it. But other than that, the mechanics of the match, 
have the luxury of being identical so you can just learn it, get it down, get it down, get it down, get it down, like scales on a guitar or whatever. And then you can start to, once you've got the fundamentals, <laughs> you can then do it. But then Tony D gets injured on the Largo loop because it's too, it's blind leading the blind stuff. And if anything, the opposite is true. The more wrestling, um, these untrained blind leading the blind wrestlers do, the more scope there is for injury because there's more opportunity for injury because you're wrestling more often. So you think, is oh, the Largo loop could solve a finish like this. Oh, will it all just people get injured? And then you cast your mind back in time. Er, the last time there was a Largo loop, who realistically, who didn't have prior experience in the, in the independent scene, and that doesn't have to be PWG and the Super Indies and the really fashionable ones, but like even like FTR, between them, they had years and years and years of the unglam- unglamorous confines of the Indies, enough to not hurt their opponents. Who became really a star who had no experience outside of that system? You, you're literally looking at um, Alpha, uh, American Alpha, Strowman, but then again, he was stupid enough to rock Brock Lesnar. So he's not exactly, he's not exactly the most safe pair of well-honed hands. It just happens for the benefit of everyone to have botched against someone who can actually take a kick in and not get injured <laughs> and just distribute a receipt right back. Charlotte Flair? Yeah. Like, who else are we talking uh. here? So the Largo Loop isn't the answer to a finish like this. You want the is just shut the company down. <laughs> That's what we should it's, do. It's like they've got rid of a bunch of the wrestlers who would have helped on the Largo Loop, which are the experienced ones. You put an experienced guy with a young guy and then you just have them work and learn to understand. And you get Hideo Itami getting badly injured. The exact example I was going to use, the last time we had an example of this, like they were still getting it wrong because they were, you had a Hideo Itami that simply did not need to be working greenhorns. If anything, you need to be working one of those, you know, like whether it be a Gargano or somebody to like, as, as WB would have it, Americanizes work or whatever, you know, like, come on, like, there's no hard camera, but you got to imagine one's there and find it. That's what we're after from you. But instead it was like, now nah, you're experienced. You've done this for a while. I work a big guy. And then, like, he gets injured for another mm. six months or something. So it's, I, it's, it's flawed in ways I don't think, like, they'll fix anytime soon because half of the rest they could have fixed it with have gone. And um, the, w, the main roster guys that come down are not the experienced hands that... They would have you, but we've you know we saw this spot like they got like Adolf Ziggler probably would be great on the road with people, right? Oh yeah. But there's plenty of people on that main roster that have also only worked this style, or also only really come through this system, that can't offer much, can't offer more than what an angry producer or Vince McMahon would. Here's three instructions of the things we like, and then those rest will just say, "Well, just do those instructions." You know, it's it's really hard within this system mm. to find like what actually is going to help some of these younger wrestlers. Yeah, I was thinking about that um, as this show was going on and, and the, the little ticker had all the dates of the Largo Loop and I was, uh, yeah, just to echo your guys' sentiments, it was more hope than expectation yeah. that this will be beneficial to them. Uh, they're backstage next with uh, Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade having a bit of friendly camaraderie and then the... Uh, Old lady in the hard work <laughs> gets involved. Uh, it was a bit of a nod and a wink as well there. She uh, she says, oh, she bemoans not having any friends or, or, or a partner or anything like that. Uh, and she offers advice from a, quote, wily veteran, a 25-year-old wily veteran, as they pointed out. She said, this place is crazy. They, she gets consoled, though, and they go, look, let's just get together, stick together, and kick the crap out of toxic attraction. I quite like this little... I'm a wily veteran. You're 25. Aye, that, that element of it was cute. Otherwise, it was, like, really cringeworthy. Like, aren't they all? Aren't these all, like, hidden? Like, like at least the interview ones. I'll give NXT 2.0 this. It seems to rely more 
on interview segments that go out of hand, like akin to an AEW interruption that go out of hand and just get sullied with spunk, basically, more so than these locker room ones. The locker room ones is just like Bruce Pritchard playing porn director. <laughs> but like nobody has sex at the end. Like, they just leave the camera lingering on people like doing a face. Yeah, we'll see them out there. <laughs> so you're saying it three seconds too long. So you think it's you're saying it ends on a facial. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> good. Very good. Uh Apollo Cruz, the man who was advertised all over Monday Night Raw as a reason to watch NXT, uh, was so just so in a vignette. He was sat in a diner, he was writing a journal, uh talking about, you know, all the great results he's had in WWE and that's interspliced with him and titles and you know, with the what was the thing called? He has big it's like a staff, wasn't it? Yeah, big staff thing. Um, but he always hears those echoes of those three letters, NXT. <laughs> he's going back, he's, oh, he's excited about going back there. And then, I was a bit confused by this, I was hoping you two can help me out. No. There's someone kicking off in the diner, and yeah. then I think what we see is a dream sequence where he's like, we got a problem here? Mm-hmm. And then he kicks the guy's ass. And then we cut back, and he's still just sat in that diner. And then he does just go over and kick the guy's ass after saying, we've got a problem here. So what? What? Well, right, okay. The first thing I want to say is that they did the, the montage, right, of, like, his run on the main roster. And there's, guys, as much ass as I kicked on the main roster. <laughs> as glorious as the glory is where, you know, I can still feel the pull of NXT mm. and the real soul of wrestling. <laughs> the black and gold and pink and green and yellow. Yeah, yeah, calling yeah, me yeah. Out. yeah. And then there was an image, and I don't think I'm making this up, of Apollo Crews holding the United States title. And it's one of those where it's like, please Google if he's actually won it. It's one of those where it's like, it's surely he hasn't because I do not remember this ever happening. Yeah, he's of course he's won it. But of course it also <laughs> has because literally everyone who has been Ahmed Carter in WWE, I'm thinking like since 2001, literally everyone who's been a mid Carter, whose name you remember, has at some point been either the United States or the Intercontinental Champion. I have no memory of this. I've got no memory of this. Do you want to have a guess as to as to who he beat for it and who he lost it to? Maybe it was very early in his run, so I'm thinking 2016. <laughs> Kalisto? Right. Okay, good guess. Feels Baron Corbin-y. Do you want to have a guess at the year he said 2016? I would have said a bit later. Um, 20... Randy Orton and Bobby Roode are trading it around. I'll go 2018. Okay. It was uh, May 2020. Uh, he won it from Andrade, and then he lost it to Bobby Lashley. Oh, God. I can't remember any of this. I have no recollection of this whatsoever. Maybe I never woke up from the sleep he put me to when he fought Alistair Black for half, 27 an, minutes. half an hour in the performance centre. 27 lost minutes. Lost it to Bobby Lashley. At payback. Of course, yeah. I do remember that now. Performance centre pay-per-view. I can't. I can't, no, I can't remember why that from my memory, bloody thing. Anyway, so it was funny to see that because no yeah, no idea. Don't, no one, you can, like, I'd love to get a total e drone on the spot and say chronologically list every United <laughs> States champion. Um, go. I used to do stuff like that when uh, when I was doing my GCSEs and I'd like you finish the exam, but you're not allowed to leave, so you'd sit at the table. Yeah, I used to do WWE champion, Intercontinental champion, and tag champion from like '85 <laughs> to present, which then would have been 2001. And, like, you could actually do it. You could actually do it. You could actually do it. I'm struggling with the TNT at this point, but an AEW, I think, I could do <laughs> yeah, it thus yeah. far. Um, so that was one thing, which kind of contradicts my following take in my attempt to determine what this was. It was filmed so poorly because the second time, it was as if, like, the guy was just sat there minding his own business. <laughs> and Apollo Crew was like, what? 
in a minute. What are you he's doing? Kick off. What, what, what are you doing? He said, well, nothing. Because literally, if you watch this tape back, um, I was literally doing nothing the second time. The first time was a dream sequence. I'm like, <laughs> are you insane? So I think that so either Apollo Cruz is insane, um, which is like you know weird people with like revenge fantasies, whether the weird action hero protagonist in their own lives, and it's like you're just yeah they watch too they watch the Equalizer too much yeah so there was a bit of that vibe to it which wasn't ideal particularly since on the second it was filmed so poorly mm. that it looked like the guy was just minding his own business that and was we were the weird. guy it was POV we were the the oh, you know who yeah, I am guy an absolute state it mirrors the last scene in Twin Peaks of Return which I know I'm obsessed with <laughs> but it's the bit actually you know what I won't in case there's any spoilers but there's a Definite parallel yeah. between one of the one of the scenes in the last episode of ever of Twin Peaks, hopefully not. Um, so that was weird. Maybe that's where they got their inspiration from. But regardless, what I think happened here, but then it contradicts that the montage and the the absolutely pathetic, condescending idea to put Apollo Crews over as something he wasn't so insulting to me. Don't for my intelligence. Is he in the dream sequence? Just imagining doing something like that. And I think, I bloody love to have the balls to do that, even though I'm a colossus. Yeah. <laughs> and a combat athlete by trade. A champion combat athlete once upon a time, not too long ago. Two years ago, I was a champion ass kicker. And then he said to himself, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm actually going to do this because, you know, justice needs to be served here. And I'm the big, honorable, babyface guy. So maybe the implication is, no, I know I haven't done much because I'm Apollo Crews. And I've done now for like seven years at this point. Now's the time to start actually doing something. I'm not going to live in my head. I'm actually going to follow through on what I should be doing because I'm motivated and I'm determined to succeed. So I'm going to kick this patron's ass because he's being incredibly rude. I'm going to stop living in my own head and I'm actually going to make reality happen and become a star. But they told us he was a star, even though he wasn't. <laughs> like a minute ago, it's yeah. the worst thing I've ever seen. I've, I'm so, absolutely baffled. I also like the idea of because Apollo Crews can no doubt kick all of our asses at the same time. Yeah. By the way, he's a, but he, he's an imposing looking guy. But that's completely undercut by one of us is kicking off at a diner because I don't know they've done your cereal wrong, Hamlet or something, <laughs> right? And someone comes over and I'm like, bloody hell, look at the size of him! And he goes, "Excuse me, mate, can you keep it down? I'm keeping writing a journal over here." <laughs> Just. So, this was this was a cine accent over the oh we're watching here. You see, so the dream sequence version where he smashes the guy's face in was like his original run in NXT, and then the when he wakes up and he's going to go over there. What we don't see is that he actually just has a polite conversation with the man and nothing goes because this time around he's doing it differently, right? So one was the original run in NXT. The meeting where we don't see what occurs because we don't know what the future holds is his return to NXT. So that means the whinging prick in the diner was Triple H. And they were just <laughs> they were just ripping him on the square yet again. <laughs> yeah, we'll make Triple H this whingy guy in the diner. Apollo Creed's gonna absolutely deck him. He's like, I got a lot of regrets about my past. I'm gonna do things different second time around. Nice guy in the diner causing no bother, Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> and that's what it represented. We solved it. Yeah, there I we think go. That maybe. <laughs> this is so stupid. It was rubbish. Yeah, let's move on to Tiffany Stan. Uh, yeah, get back to the good stuff. Yeah, she had a rematch with Fallon Henley after the breakout tournament match that they had, of course. A little Easter egg. You may have not spotted this, guys. When Tiffany Stratton was making her entrance, Wendy Chu hopped along in the background in a space hopper. Just uh, rewatch, rewatch the tape. And you'll spot it, honestly. You'll in kick yourself for not seeing it. Foreshadowing. Hidden details of NXT 2.0. <laughs> Ten things you might have missed. <laughs> 
Anyway. Number one, the whole show. NXT 2.0, the details come from. Unless you're a 64-year-old broke with your cack in your hand. Uh, you still miss it because you fall asleep in front of yeah, me. <laughs> fired up. Come in, cheers. She's <laughs> desperate to get her hands on Stratton. Uh, Stratton, you know, tries to get away from her quite early on, puts herself in the ropes. But Henley finally gets her hand on her, cracks her with some right hands, goes after her. Uh, Tiffany Stratton, though, uh, ring IQ developing exponentially, traps her in the ring skirt, beats her up. Chucks her towards the ropes. Uh, she does a sort of slingshot swanton. Uh, that gets her a two count. Henley makes a comeback. Gets caught, though, in a fallaway slam. It looks like Stratton's got the match won. And who should hop down? But remember this from earlier. Wendy Chu comes down on that space hopper and channels her inner doink, Michael Hamflirt. She throws sort of confetti in Stratton's, I was going to say face, chest. Uh... That distracts her. There's no... Referee completely sees this. Regardless, roll up, one, two, three. Uh, Fallon Henley defeats Tiffany Stan, who throws a fit because of Wendy Chu's latest shenanigans. We've done this. We'll do this bit first, right? I'm nervous of the Doink comparisons, but we'll try and keep it short as usual. Doink was great. The heel character was really genuinely inspired. Different for the time as well. Could have been something. They sort of bottled it, made him a baby face, made him a clown. In a more of a literal sense. Would you say his like, best appearance was Money in the Bank during the pandemic? So, like, the less said about Doink these days, the better. March in 82 out of three falls. Because of things like that. You know, like, because of Money in the Bank, because of video packages. I mean, look, isn't he wacky? Like, them putting, the, like, an actual fart and sound over his whoopee cushion finisher, which was him jumping on and landing on his arse on someone's chest. Like, you know, it was... They, they killed it. They completely ruined it. Um, Not like WWE. But... Like, Vincent Bruce loved Babyface Doink for the stuff you could do, for the stuff that is now being given to Wendy Chu. The likes of Silly String and Water Pistols was like Doink and Dink staples, and here we are again. The fact that somebody in their infinite wisdom thought, yeah, that finish was exactly what we wanted, that, like, cup of bits of paper and streamers or whatever, like, that was super effective. What we need is a slow-down replay of showing how ineffective that was. <laughs> and, like, the, like, Wendy Chu throwing the cup, and then the paper just, like, glancing past Tiffany Stratton's face, maybe, no wonder the referee didn't disqualify her. Well, that's done absolutely no damage at all. So we can continue the match exactly as we were. Like, for once, it's not on the idiot referee. Like, just carry on the match. It, just risible n- nonsense. Like, this, but this was the stuff they built her to be a number one contender with. So it stands to reason yeah. that they would think, yeah, that's working. Like, that's how you start a feud with Wendy Chu. Let's look on the bright side here. Number one, it gives us a where's Wendy for next week yeah. or some, you know, like I said, bollocks. Because now she's some, on a space offer. She's on a space offer, you know, doing stuff or whatever. But also, I was thought, oh, that's a load of bollocks. And so my brain went, let's think about something else instead. Was it one of the hearts that he chucked a legitimate bucket of water that they didn't realise? Yeah, all-time stuff. All-time stuff, this. Bruce and Owen are rings, a ringside for Brett's match with Jerry Lawler, right? Because Lawler's insulted the whole family all summer. Helen Hart should put a false teeth in backwards and eat herself to death. All that sort of stuff. Like, <laughs> leg- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> legendary batter. So Bruce and Owen at SummerSlam 93, ringside ah! to Brett, get the revenge. His impression of uh, Stu Hart, whenever Stu Hart like, says, ah! <laughs> you didn't even enter the King of the Ring tournament. Oh, God. Crown on it, shut up. And I've got the microphone. Like, so anyway, Brett's get, like ready to wrestle. Jerry Lawler comes out with a crutch, tells his story about a blue-haired old lady that he thinks might have been Helen Hart trying to run his car off the road. 
He's faking an injury, obviously. So he brings out his court jester, Doink, right? He's got two buckets. He's going to fight Brett instead. All of this rules, by the way. Brett and Doink is great. Lola rips off the crutch at the end, has a second match with Brett. It's all fantastic in ring-wise. But Doink comes to the ring with these two buckets, right? And he's got one bucket, and then he throws the bucket out to the crowd, and it's a bucket full of streamers and all that. And he's like, ah, Doink's a prick. And then he's got his second bucket, and Bruce knowing at this point, knowing that it's just streamers, Bruce stands up to him, he's like, like that. Doink, hoys the bucket, soaks Bruce Harper with water. <laughs> it was Owen's idea. Nobody clued Bruce in on it. He had absolutely no idea. You see him like... He held back, didn't he? Though? Yeah, he's trying to get his jacket off. He's trying to get over the rail. Owen's like, leave it, Bruce. It's not worth it. <laughs> like, we've got him. We've got him. Unbelievable scene. So this made me very happy. But I was that was because I was thinking about something else not related to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just absolutely pathetic. We've already done... We've literally already done this. We've already had this feud. We're already running in circles. She should have been disqualified. The match, if it was anything to write home about, they just undermined it with this absolute nonsense. Um, what is there to say? Mm. Uh, what is there to say? The it's the uh, the duality of man, Pritchard, who's essentially a dyad uh, <laughs> of Vince McMahon. Very nice. Um, Fallon Henley doing that. Well, well, face at the end, like when she's celebrating a win. Well, like what a loser baby face thing. So do. you got the hot diva broad, and then the the, the, the clown comedy. Put them two together. <laughs> Synergy. And, and he gets some uh, WWE. Uh, we are backstage with Cameron Grimes. Uh, he's sad. Um, he's walking backstage. Obviously, lost his North American Championship. Uh, some uh, goober goes up and goes, "Hey, hell of a match." <laughs> and, uh, Cameron says, oh, "Thanks. Uh, um, who are you?" Basically, he says, I'm not looking for sympathy. Ron says, don't worry, mate. One day you'll be champion. He's like, I- I- whatever. Uh, walks <laughs> off. Uh, there's Duke Bloody Hudson, who says, oh, not sure about that. Don't put any ideas in Cameron Grimes' head. He says, uh, let's not forget as well. I've got a, a win over you. And Bron was like, it was a bollocks one. It was a DQ one. He's like, well, they all count. Win's a win. Um, and he suggests, uh, Bron does, that they should have a rematch tonight. And you know what? I'll put the NXT title on the line and... Uh, Duke says yes, and Bron's off to make the match. Uh, and then uh, I got a little bit of a main roster vibe from what came next, Michael Sidgwick, because uh, Lash Legend was on. Not an reading, reading her Wikipedia page. She put over her, uh, fair, to play, fair play, incredible achievements, track and field, basketball, all that sort of thing, WNBA, etc. But she, uh, she, COVID happened, she left the WNBA, and she's, she's chasing a dream in WWE, and she's slagging off Alba Fire, basically. Uh, one, I completely forgot that there was uh, any kind of Program with Alba Fire. This yeah. is just so forgettable. Just such rubbish that it just doesn't permeate your consciousness in any way, which way, for any which way or form or whatever. Look, I'll tell you what. This is okay to do once. Tell don't show. It's WWE. I'm not expecting any kind of like great cinema, great subtext. Don't. It's wrestling. Brag. Do this once. Trust that I know how gilded this athlete is, and then do something in the wrestling sphere. Um, once you've been legitimized as an athlete, she was a, the the talk show host of a talk show that <laughs> yeah. went twenty four seconds long. So this is necessary. I had no idea I'll give about this. Well, right, it, I knew c- she was in the WNBA, but I didn't know she was like that decorated, in, yeah, in different in a different disciplines. So that's fair, right? But it occurred to me in this how the majority of people coming into NXT now will be through this next in line thing, right? And they're taking people from all sorts of sports back. That's what they're into yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and fine as well. Triple H, like, indie guys, like, the current one is sports guys. Fine. So it, they're, how they're attempting to have their cake and eat it too is so funny to me. So, yeah, I didn't know any of this about Lash Legend too. But the idea that they're trying to pair, like, prestigious WNBA background and other athletic, like, skill set with talk show host is as absurd as 
Like, here's a Tiffany Stratton vignette. Also, that is ghetto. Like, <laughs> Papa Shango didn't come out and, like, curse the Ultimate Warrior and then say, also, I've got a great amateur background. Like, you cannot do both. Like, if you're going to do these absurd, like, characters, you can't then also say, but, like, you know, look at his, like, look at his tackle drop down. It's just sort of, like, you didn't have Jim Ross doing the, like, after, like, sort of amateur football backgrounds of these mm. caricatures. You can only do that with certain wrestlers and it like every next in line person now is going to like do the performance center drills they're going to be like we think you're good enough actually we're going to get you on 2.0 what are you going to be yeah, candy floss salesman <laughs> like and then they're going to do the sporting package afterwards they do like that just like oh my gosh this monster from the deep let's take a look at the tail of the tape <laughs> This is preposterous. This company sucks. But again, I justified a little <laughs> when, bit. When she was all American at Georgia State. <laughs> yeah, no, I justified died. a little bit of in my head because I was like, well, at least if with the Largo loop again, if she's feuding with Kaylee Ray, now Alba Fire. Good luck, Kaylee Ray. Yeah, she's got, <laughs> it's got a good person to learn from, at least. Um, I was play, presently surprised by what came next because I thought it was going to go a very different way. It was a Zion Quinn looking to avenge his loss, of course, against Wesley. Uh, Wesley shoots for a roll-up straight away, nearly gets a pinfall in the first three seconds to continue that. Oh, you're only good for three seconds narrative. Quinn overpowers him. Uh, Wesley exemplifies just how minty he is in the ring. His quickness uh, counters, Wesley, uh, counters Zion Quinn's power. He drops Quinn with a kick. Top rope, twisting corkscrew senton bomb thing. One, two, three. I'm glad Wesley got a win again. Yeah, I, there wasn't much to feel for this one, but I suppose I there. With Wesley, they were obviously thrown into this situation, so we know that this isn't something that they would have had planned, presumably, for Wesley. They've had to go back to the drawing board with him as a character, and they've not gimmicked him up anything daft. They've just said having to start again. Yes. He too has kind of had the rug pulled by like the change in his circumstances. So this win was more functional than it was fun though. I, d- like, I didn't get a lot out of the match and I don't know if that's a Wesley problem or a WWE problem. Like I've not seen enough evidence either way yet to suggest whether or not as a singles wrestler, Wesley has enough like lightning in a bottle excitement akin to a Nathan Frazier being the perfect example mm. from what we've seen of him so far or whether or not Understandably so as well. He's thinking, I've got to follow instructions to the letter here. And if it means stopping and selling and slowing down, then that's what I'll do. I'm just not... Like, they're trying to present him as super dynamic as a singles guy that's finally getting going. And I'm not really feeling it. They're just they're just telling me so. I just felt this got us closer to a potential, like you say, mad... Could be a triple threat. It could be a version of a, a, a one-on-one match with Carmelo Hayes, uh, Wesley... Nathan Fraser. It's not a bad scene. fighting each other forever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zion Quinn seems pretty doomed at this point. <laughs> They've already got rid of two dimes. And I think Alvarez re- was reporting not too long ago that the new directive for NXT, which is wildly stupid and like fatalistic, is that you get a short amount of time now to yeah. impress. They're not going to have the old days where like Sean Spears and... Uh, like we'll, keep, we'll keep figuring out for ball density. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like Tino Sabatelli's going to spend six years. Yeah, those days are gone. And if you fail to make the cut, you will actually get it cut. Mm. Um, and I just, I don't want to pre- like predict who's going to lose that job. It's no. like pretty callous and sensitive. Um, but I just think Zion Quim is looking a bit doomed. Mm. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, let's get to the moment that incredibly pissed me off on this week's episode of NXT 2.0. It was a vignette for Nathan Fraser, and he talked about growing up on Jersey. <laughs> Not New Jersey, the island of Jersey. It's tiny, you can fit Old it in... Old Jersey. <laughs> you can fit it in Rhode Island loads, and there's beaches <laughs> everywhere you look, basically. That was fine. I've got no, I'm more of a Guernsey guy than a Jersey guy, if I'm honest, as from family holidays growing up, but still... No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not picking sides here. But he talks about uh, flipping into the sea and stuff, and wanting to be the B in WWE or play soccer. God damn it, Americanizing it. God damn sports, <laughs> football. God damn it. And not only does he talk about playing soccer, he talks about wanting to play in the EPL. What the fuck is the EPL? It's the Premier League. Where I come from, god damn it. Uh, anyway. Where do you come from? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Chester <laughs> Uh His dreams was to always be in the ring. Uh, he could have gone could have gone pro. He was really good at football, uh, but he needed to make it for him in the WWE. He took a big risk, took a chance, and look at where he is today. Quite a good winger, though. Good goal. I'll give him that. Great goal at the end. Uh, greatly. Goal at the end of the uh, video package, isn't it? Make that uh, to fullback mm. as well. Absolutely make them. But yeah. This did little to endear me to Nathan Fraser. Football guy. Football <laughs> guy. The ball with him. I'm the centre off. I'm a, I'm a winger. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> uh, I remember years ago watching uh, maybe Wrestle Kingdom or something. And it was, a, it was a New Japan trios stable, a group of three. And one of them brought a football down to the ring. I can't remember who it was. And I was like, well, whatever stable this is, <laughs> I like him straight away. So maybe this works. It's one thing, right? It's the old Ric Flair, Golden Spoon promo adage, right? You want to see someone's doing pretty good, but you don't want them to think that they're better than doing better than you. Like, it's one thing. 
Nathan Frazier to be absolutely sensational professional wrestling. He's just amazing at it. So much so that the spectacular extent to which he's amazing impresses me greatly. 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 I don't need to be good at two things. Like, stop showing off, dickhead. <laughs> like, you're pretty awesome at football. And, you know, this is the casual idea of, oh, you know, I could have uh, made millions of pounds doing this, but decided to make a millions of pounds doing something <laughs> else. It's just, um, I'm not saying this because he was literally playing football, but I got very, very suboptimal Michael Owen vibes from this. I was reading an interview when, um, so in some football mag or other when I was growing up and they were talking about like who's the best at golf because, you know, all footballers play golf. And I think one of his old teammates said something to the effect of, oh God, Michael Owen, but he's such an irritating toss pot. He's like, he's absolutely incredible at everything. Like he's great at poker. Um, he's great at golf. Um, whenever like would do any of the sports, I mean, I'm not fun. surprised he's great at poker because he's an expression. Is he the one who has seen like three films or something? Hates him. Doesn't, hey. get, doesn't get fiction. Just doesn't get films. Um, but he does think that Christmas is the most underrated day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of his best tweets. Him and Rooney are the two best football tweeters. Like they're absolutely tremendous. Um, but you yeah, way when Rooney threatens himself. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite tweet. But uh, yeah, I just I understand what they're trying to do here. Like they're trying to give you a glimpse into the real yeah. life of Nathan Frazier. And you know, it's actually true. They had the footage, and ostensibly these things function to make the characters feel real, which is pretty vital for NXT 2.0. It's better than them being cartoon characters, but yeah, just stop showing off, mate. I'm just watching it thinking, good shot. You cross my bed in the, in the real picture. You're going to score on the upper 90. That's <laughs> what they call the top corner. If you haven't seen this, the upper 90 degree angle. Don't watch it. Instead... Go and watch something that we're all going to watch in the office as we have our lunch today, which I haven't seen for ages, which is uh, Michael Owen versus a 13-year-old goalkeeper. Oh, I love that. It's this, this like TV show. I think it was this kid's TV show and a legendary uh, goalkeeper called Neville Southall, I think, is, is training this kid. And he's like, okay, you're looking pretty good. Uh, Neville Southall, Everton mainly, wasn't yep. he, goalkeeper. So they're on Merseyside. Let's get one of the best English strikers of all time. And you think like... Could have been if he applied himself a bit more in mm. the black and white. But uh, he, so he like, <laughs> so you think like I assume when you two you got to you know be give them a certain challenge. But when you play footy with your kids, you're not playing footy the same way as when we play five a side, for example. Not Michael Owen. <laughs> He's like, well, Premier League standard it is then. And just <laughs> burying it past this kid and mugging him off and celebrating in front of an empty Anfield stand. It's so good. This is such a dickhead thing to say, right? But I've had to stop Megan James. Because he, <laughs> he gets upset when we're playing in the garden. Wait, do you, do, do you say a thing or no? Like, Megan James? We played in the garden last night and like, I did it a few times. I had to absolutely buzz off it. But it's like it's a game that we play. Yeah. You can make me sometimes as well. That was often, obviously. <laughs> but like, you had to, you had to start, Dally stop making it. It makes us feel like I'm a bad footballer. Oh, oh wow. And I felt like, oh, you don't want to da- diminish the kid's confidence. Like, the whole yeah. point is you go easy enough so it doesn't seem too obvious. It's a pretty. Uh, mm. So, in response, I just said, James, you won't learn. <laughs> <laughs> if anything close that gate close that gate and if you stop getting megged by me and you can prevent getting megged then it'll really um, improve your reactions and your instincts and your defensive now so I'm not going to stop megging <laughs> you I'm afraid irrespective of how you feel right now it's for your own good lad meanwhile I was there with both of his boys right you two against me just bent in the top corner so <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm absolutely used to football, so I think my six-year-old could come to run rings around, is it? <laughs> like, he actually plays, and, like, I don't know how to help. <laughs> like, <you're so laughs> Good kicking, son. Kick a field down at the end of like near where we live, and we'll go down. I was like, all oh, right, he's better than me, and I can offer zero advice about that. So <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing properly. I don't know. Sign for Sunderland. Yeah, yeah. is that how this works? No, it's um, I am kind of with Cedric on the like. It's it's very different how you spin this, isn't it? When Pat McAfee said he was a millionaire in eight different disciplines, it was like a really cool thing to say as a heel. Yeah, like and he's as you say, like he's potentially already done two. Like, and I, it's his, it's still his voice. Like it's the oh Nathan Fraser. Yeah, so. I've spent my life on the right wing, which is why WWE is perfect for me. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it just, it was, I, I got concerns that, like, his gear is going to be slightly tweaked and, like, he's going to have, like, football shorts or something like that, you know? Oh, yeah. But, the, the, the look, ultimately, like, the... This is VAR. Give him VAR. And then we'll be there and I'll like it. Like, he's asking the referee to, like, card his opponent or something. <laughs> like, also, I've just realised looking at these, this this uh, Michael Owen thing. <laughs> do you know what year it was that he did it? Go on. Two thousand and one, arguably one of the best. He years was still in his peak years. Michael isn't Owen's it? career. Devil Southall's deadpan. He's thirteen. It's <laughs> <laughs> <He's, laughs> like doesn't stop him in his tracks or anything. Still take well, it. Well done. He's thirteen. Brilliant. <laughs> but like, is it Dillick life as well? Like, oh great, five minutes away from a beach and the sun and babes yeah. and football and ah, oh, that's a bit restaurant. Said I'm awesome at that too. I just, <laughs> <laughs> it's right. look this is what they're like all those years where like all the wrestlers were sent out there and be like it was my dream to lose the Dolph Ziggler on Raw this is all I've ever wanted like we're in this era now where like he's at a relatively recent Wrestlemania yeah. as a kid use it like that is decent yeah. brand building stuff that's going to be similarly like AEW will have the benefit of that soon they'll be wrestling like I never once watched the other side. I don't care about, like, I loved AEW, and I don't, like, you absolutely use that sort of yeah. stuff. It's, it does show the power of, like, your brand on, like, young wrestlers and chasing a dream. It feels real, at least. Uh, it's time it for... It look like Max. Time for... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's terrible, like, in the long term. The debut of the dead. Yes. <laughs> uh, Joe Gacy earlier on had cut a promo, but uh, who cares? Uh, they can show the world what they can do, basically. And as... Predicted they wrestled in the hoods. Yes, they kept trying to see if they were still stuck on. It was great. <laughs> uh, and they faced Dante Chen and Javier Bernal. Uh, and early on, I felt for him, uh, Bernal, because the bell rang and one of them just stood there. One of the dads just stood there with his hands sort of clasped together. Bernal was like, "What are we doing?" Like he didn't know what to do. And then he just sort of stood there. And then he went, "Oh, all right, I guess I'll." beat you with my wrestling and just got hit with a high knee straight away. He was like, bloody hell, all right. Uh, anyway, they manhandled Dante Chen around. Uh, they slammed him headfirst into the middle turnbuckle at one point. Bernal got uh, a bit of offense in, drops, drop kicks, kicks, inverted atomic drop, Russian leg sweep, clothesline off the ropes. But in the end, uh, they hit a sort of double team, elevated DDT on Bernal, which was that Lorcan and Birch's finisher. Sort of similar oh, yeah, to that, basically. Yeah. Well, they're uh, both gone, so they ain't there. Yeah, One, two, three. Maybe to throw us off the scent of the grizzles. Don't everyone remembers that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tag team finish. Uh, post, post-match, uh, Gacy uh, says they've taken steps in their progression. Uh, don't blame them for wanting to belong to something. The NXT universe's negativity has made them feel inferior when they're supposed to be superior. They're not alone. More people feel the same. There's a schism. Someone's got a word of the day toilet paper. On. There's a schism between NXT 2.0 and them, and it will continue until people buy into their message, and then you did this creepy smile. Right. 
my take on this is I just it was just so funny. Like they were literally trying to adjust their masks. Like what do you expect to happen? Right. Wilborn, have you ever seen um Chris Harris versus James Storm, <laughs> the uh Steel Cage blindfold yes. match in TNA? I believe it was probably for a, a list that you'd written and I was like, What's this? So it's total stopped action because <laughs> <laughs> the hoods keep coming off, right? Yeah. And then they realize like, I need to stop the action of kicking my opponent's and fierce blood rivals' ass because I have to play by the rules here, even though I'm like a heel. It's the stupidest nonsense Russo-pilled bollocks ever, right? Can you imagine anyone, right, anyone watching that match, watching it fall apart, watching the, the, the hoods just come loose, like for more than 50% of the match and thinking what we should do is put these two characters in a tag team and they can each wrestle in the hoods. <laughs> Not never do anything like this or adjacent to it ever again. We should make a tag team gimmick out of this particular attire because it's going so well. Brain dead, brain worms. I love how stupid this nonsense is. <laughs> 6.5 out of 10 this week, NXT TV. Well, <laughs> what really got me about this um, was so we've said it before, right? You kind of let's, let's use the fiend as an example, right? The fiend is, is the fiend. So when he like grabs a hold, it's a bit ridiculous. He's like, make goo leak out your eyes and he can disappear or whatever. Like, he's like, I'm put in a headlock. <laughs> well, like, kids did that at school, were well, they the fiend? Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's silly, right? It's really silly. Like, the Undertaker measured this just about perfectly in the original incarnation of his gimmick for such a long period of time that people became super loyal to that gimmick and thus then allowed it when, like, he would adapt and he would add things to his arsenal. Sidgwick will have the exact same call in my head. When he comes out of Batman, the Survivor Series 96, when Mick Foley and Paul Bearer have turned on him, he does a drop toe hold, and Jim Ross sells it like he's just seen his first Young Bucks match. Dead man with a drop toe hold! Because it's like the whole point is, wow, he's been away, and he's actually like updated his arsenal because he's got to do something more. Mm-hmm. To, he's got to wrestle mankind because the fighting just isn't working. So you like, you can be really delicate with it, and you can make it work. Naturally, none of that occurred here with the D-ads. So they can't wrestle-wrestle. Like, so they did try to stop them grabbing holds, right? They were, like, it was mainly like punches, kicks, throwing them in the middle, to, like stuff that was supposed to look just rough and out there. And what do you even do with these guys? But there was one point where they just, they were wrestlers again, right? So like, it's when they went over to the corner and like, like I don't know if it was like S-Flake or Trigger, but one had like his, <laughs> opponent, his opponent in like a hammerlock. And you know when like a tag team like drags over the corner with like a you know a hammerlock and armbar or whatever and then reaches out for the tag and it's like great tag team wrestling interplay. Like it's as if they've realized, oh God, we look like a wrestling tag team. So they did this like soft and gentle tag. <laughs> but the, the, the physical act, instead of a, it was like, just gently grazing each other's hands. Like because- Tag. Tag. <laughs> tag. <laughs> Say it louder, Vic. Like, tag. Because he's like holding the other one in an arm lock. It's like, that's not very dead behavior, is it? Mm. Like, grab a, grab a hold, like, really, really work the shoulder. I was just really hoping for an accidental unmasking here. Yeah, I no, I, just, I was waiting for it. It's going to happen as well. Directly. Like, that's what we wanted to happen. They were ready now, even though we didn't actually physically do it. It just sort of fell off. But, uh, you liberal fools. What did you happen. think was under there? We all thought the same <laughs> team all along, as depressing as it is. Um, right, Zion Queen's walking backstage and you know, taking his tape off and what, what have you. And Sang is there with the ladies. Uh, Ulyssa Leon and Valentina Perez are talking to him about, I don't know, Summer. And then, he, and then he says something to Zion Queen who goes, what's he fucking saying? <laughs> and Sang stands up. And all of a sudden, Zion Queen has gone from like, oh, I'll kill everyone, I don't care. 
soon as Sanger stands up, he goes, bloody hell, you're tall. Uh, bye. <laughs> Leaves, and Sanger goes, hmm. ladies, looks like I've got my next opponent. <laughs> It's, and it's you two in a, in a triple thread. And, and the ring is bad. Sable's the red. <laughs> Stipulation is intercourse. <laughs> um, but let's not talk about that, Sage. Let's talk about... Two out of three falls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Felicio, Conolengus, <laughs> me on top. If you, gonna, if you don't come so hard before the third fall. <laughs> Come on, this is this show is not just <laughs> sexualized stuff. Don't be ridiculous, Sige. Oh, anyway, we had a Nikita Lyons vignette next. <laughs> she's oh, almighty. I think she said she was coming back from injury. I think, I think she worked out a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, seriously, there's a, there's a like, maneuver. There was a maneuver, a training drill. Drill, get it? <laughs> Where she's just like thrusting her hips up. It's like bloody Olivia, Olivia Newton John in here. Oh. And that video with the drills. <laughs> Get my satisfaction. Yeah, 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 yeah. horny. Nothing to add. Jacket didn't fit, did it? It, it did not. No, it did not. Right now, it's time taking the Andre camera at the gym. <laughs> now it's time uh, for one of the highlights of the show. It was the promotion of Stacks in. For the, for the time being, two dimes. <laughs> really awkward, that, wasn't it? When that graphic flashed, I was like, oh, is this is how they write them out. I oh, know, it's taped. Yeah, oh, I, no. th- I thought it was oh, going to be no. the whole, Stax, I got this for you, and I got this for you, two dimes. Oh, what's this, boss? Kills him or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realise you were drinking as I, as I did that. But no, just it just happened, because like you say, it's been taped. Uh, so Tony says, "There's one bit. Uh, look how long, how long oh. this But there is one bit with uh, Jesus. You're still scrolling. Stack saying something. So don't worry. Stick around. Tony says, uh, "Let's begin our business, huh? Two times. I remember when I first met you at Nick Mancini's fourth birthday party." You whacked Jackie Fisher right in his face. <laughs> I'm glad I added that picture. <laughs> <laughs> Killed a small child. <laughs> As a small child. <laughs> he says, that was something, huh? <laughs> that was awesome. He says, Stax, come here. You, Stax, you. We met when we were six years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. Your father asked me who I was thought was going to win in the Kentucky Derby. And I picked, I don't know, I've written War Album. I, I couldn't, I was like, oh, it's too much to write here. War Album, right? <laughs> ever since that day, your father's side business took off. Look. Ever since I made that phone call uh, for you two to come down here, you guys have given everything to the family. You guys have sacrificed. You guys have stepped up big. And there's a video package of what happened in your house and the, the brilliant facial expression, to be fair, of Santos when he realizes that the pinfalls just happened. And he's like, oh, I've got to follow this twat around now. Just at this point, by the way, you know the other day when we were talking about that thing online, we're like, hey, I'm getting some real uh, Boss Baby vibes <laughs> off this from the guy that's only seen Boss Baby. I was getting some real Boss Baby vibes off this because the thought of Tony D'Angelo as a child yeah, in his, in his heart, And it's oh. like, your family business after that had no problem. So the idea was this six-year-old mafioso <laughs> already had so much power that by picking the correct horse, it's like, I'm going to get in business with that kid. Is he implying, <laughs> by the way, as well, that he was on the inside, like he knew this horse was going to win? From the day he was born. Yeah. Like he came out with his mom don't and he t- was don't like... Don't tell anybody. I'm just going to whisper to this baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Kentucky How much money has he then accrued over the years? He's like he's he's must be in his twenties now. Yeah. So he's probably had two full decades <laughs> of being so gifted of oining, <laughs> so oining, and so gifted at being able to uh, back the right horses and what <laughs> uh, that he's he's developed untold wealth yeah. and that he's decided <laughs> to go to NXT. I'm so proud of you, too, he continues. <laughs> Yo, so, uh, congratulations. <laughs> what's this one? <laughs> you guys, again, I saw there was that was doing around on Twitter on it over the weekend. It was like, remember this uh, Triple H um, video? You kicked the finger off the switch, done. That's my name! <laughs> <laughs> Triple H, he's such a, like, you watch any of those promos, like, Kevin Dunn, roll of footage. He's thinking backstage, I've got your name on telly, Kevin. Walks are going <laughs> to absolutely gaga for this. Uh, anyway, he's promoting them uh, from associates to soldiers of the family. Let's hear it for him, huh? And everyone's just like, shut the f*** up, basically. He says, now, because business has been booming, appreciate you, Santos. This gift is a sign of appreciation from me to you. And he brings out these watches, and I'm not joking. I've written it down here. Wade Barrett goes... Oh, like Jesus. <laughs> Bloody Elvick, look how expensive those watches look. And then, like, I don't know what does, I think we've got the same watches already or yeah. something. Anyway, uh, and he's, he's got a packet and he gives it to, to two dimes. He says, Two dimes, I want you to go get a steak dinner and go get yourself something nice. What does two dimes say in response to this? It thinks what? <laughs> Stax says, uh, In Stax, I want you to go get Marie. And take us somewhere nice. You understand me? You got it, boys. <laughs> he goes, now as for you, Santos. And Santos walks forward. But in step behind him is, of course, still uh, Wild and Del Toro. Uh, and he says, hey, listen to me. You don't follow him anymore. He's not Hefe. I am. You take orders from me. Santos, in this thing we have, in this thing, sorry, we have a code that we live by. Omerta. A code of silence. An oath of loyalty. Not only in word, but in action. You never read on your friends, and you always keep your mouth shut. Understand? And then he slowly walks up to each one of them, and they uh, shake his hand. Santos just looks at him and shakes his hand, and he says, Right, ladies and gentlemen, I now have the strongest family in all of NXT. It's like photos taken seconds before disaster, like two <laughs> times in the round. Yeah, we're pretty solid, this family. I think it's about time that the dawn of NXT... Not only has the title of the Don, but a title around my waist. A title of a champion here in NXT. And this brings out the A champion, the NXT North American champion, Carmelo Hayes, with Trick Williams, of course. Uh, and Hayes says, huh, you being a Don and all this must be going to your head. You don't want any problems with me or my title. And he says, Melo, you've already been warned. Stay out of my business or else. You want to interrupt me? Bad move. Now you... And your title have become my business. And Trick says, ooh, be careful. We don't take too kindly to threats. He says, I wasn't talking to you, all right? Mellow, as great as you think you are, you're not the Don of NXT. You don't call the shots. For some goddamn reason, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Tony D versus Carmelo Hayes next week for the North American Championship. Done deal. Everyone reacts to it. And then Stack said, Hey, Tony, they look ready. <laughs> they look ready for someone tonight. How about you let Stax and Two Dimes soften these chuckleheads up a bit, huh? 
And Mello says, I don't just call the shots, I just make them. And these two are looking like an easy layup. And then Trick has a nice bit where he says, I don't care if you're two dimes, three pennies, four nickels or five quarters, we're going to sm- make spare change out of all you bums. I like Trick Williams. Yeah, me too. He can get stuff like that over the line. This segment was so piss poor. <laughs> in every How conceivable way. Like... What I love about it so much is like it's so we talk about how WWE's absolute refusal to be wrestling makes whatever it is just so much worse and silly because Papa Shango grabbing a headlock, that's a great line. Like the Undertaker just like in the funeral home going, Right, okay, well I've just uh effectively uh presented this cadaver. <laughs> now, um Probably hold my chin lock now. That's what I'll do. <laughs> do. To-do list for the day. Yeah. Like, I've embalmed this fella. Rest in peace. And, uh, now, to become the best pure striker in WWE, <laughs> I need to, like, stop learning how to close my fists. And, you know. So for this, right, if you apply the context of mafia crime drama to pro wrestling, which is actually broadcasting. <laughs> so you are broadcasting your Ill- illegal activities. You're literally talking about redistricting, and I don't think that's above what, mm. personally. So not only are you just willfully and openly admitting to doing crimes on television, <laughs> not only are you basically saying, I'm a mobster, which you don't say. The point is, like, that's it. Like, you can't speak about it. You can't be a rat. It's like, okay, I'm only going to go on national television until <laughs> I live <laughs> <don't laughs> in. Hey, boy. No, tell the police to switch over. I was going to say, down the, down the PD. They're like, hey, boss, is that that baby we've been looking for for 20 years? <laughs> so the guy's on telly outwardly saying, like, you know, in this thing of ours, we have a code of silence, which I'm now articulating <laughs> publicly on national goddamn television. So that in itself is terrible, but it gets even worse the more you try and tell stories with these absolutely ridiculously incongruent characters. Because the whole idea of when there's, like, uh, tension between two families. Because there's the five families, and, you know, sometimes they're on each other's toy great problems, and uh, sometimes they're a wacky guy. Mm. Right. Like, this ends in death. <laughs> this kind of turf war ends in death. Mm-hmm. But except it's probably going to end in a ladder match or something. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Like, they want the power, the money, the women. The respect. The respect, obviously. That's the respect. It's the most important thing. Honestly, what is it without respect? <laughs> so the, the, like, in these types of films, which aren't wrestling shows, mm-hmm. death happens, murder happens, like, you know, consolidation. It's going to be like a cage match. stupidest <laughs> <laughs> stuff. I also love in WWE, because remind, this reminded me of when Cena was forced to join the Nexus. Like, when it happens in... I, don't know, I can't think of a film where it happens or, or a TV show. Because films are good. <laughs> but, like, when someone's forced to be someone's, you know, like... Butler. Yeah. Or <laughs> something like that. I've never... It, nowhere else does someone just go, what if I just be bad at it? Or, like, deliberately destroy things. Normally, when you're trying to take down someone from the inside... Like, I watched The Departed the other day. He didn't just straight away Bad. go... Didn't go away, straight away just go... Oh, yes, burn down the entire factory. <laughs> Whoops. It's so weird, all this. And they fight, I loved it, obviously. They fight, like, <laughs> to, you know, like, get people on side. And they, they've won this potential turf war, and they've got them on side. And so now I've got you on side, and we can finally be, all be together. I'm going to treat you like a piece of garbage every <laughs> single week. <laughs> yeah. Ruin everything I fought for. How I you also, doing? I also love, like, just this, like, the pointlessness of all of this. 
made so clear until Carmelo and Trick came out. It's like, it's about time I became a champion. What then, if they don't interrupt? Anyway, time for us to leave. Like, <laughs> yes. it just like, That's my time. Get <laughs> the You win a great audience. <laughs> Listening in on us, talking about secret business. <laughs> Thank you very much. You didn't hear or see none. <laughs> uh, right. I thought it was great. Mandy Rose and, well, the rest of Toxic Attraction, Bad Mouth, their upcoming opponents. Uh, talks about Randy Rose talks about uh, Roxanne entering the big leagues tonight, but uh, after that, she'll be begging for some. Uh, JC says, oh, Misery loves company and failure loves company too, Roxanne and Cora. And uh, Gigi said, oh, yeah, Indy, you need those friends. You'd be friends with a plant if you could. Zing. I, I felt the guilt yesterday suggesting that Toxic Attraction were useless. Um, and I'll say this for... Th- like, this promo was horrible, right? They believe it. It's as generous as I can be. Like, they're no, buying... They no, they're buying into it. They're, they're faking it and then making it as a result. They're not making anything. This was, like, awful. But... Stand by, a, stand by your burial, mate. There's a difference between, like, JC and G. Jolin, especially in the early days of the stable, versus them kind of buying into this, and at least when the red light's on, tr- like, they're performing, yes. which is a problem, because you don't want to see them as performers. You can see they're performing. Like, they're buying in and they're trying, but it's it's awful. It's just rubbish. And when the matches don't back it up either, I think that's, I think that's probably yes, what enhances it. it was, like, the matches me. never back it up. Uh, right, but the one thing they did get right this week was Bron Breaker, because he just wrecked Duke Hudson, NXT Championship match. Uh, Hudson tries to jump Breaker before the bell. That sort of backfires on him. Breaker just explodes straight away. Flying shoulder tackles, power slam, Rick Steiner-esque power slam. Uh, hits him with a spear, military press, power slam. He beat him inside a minute. This is how they should have presented Bron Breaker the entire time. Yes, absolutely. There's a spear here that looks absolutely great. Looks like there's no cooperation or bumping whatsoever. <laughs> it just looks like he's just been pulverized. Guts. Good stuff, this. Yeah, is it really the end it's like of the world? It's a little retcon in it. Well, yeah, just like just do this once a fortnight. And like you could probably do it once a week. There's not that many wrestlers, but once a fortnight, so people don't get sick of it. And he's, he's your world champion. And he's like steward in the whole show because nobody, when he works like this, nobody can get near him. Yeah. It's a really simple story to tell. Um, but someone saw that and thought this was their time to, to step up. And it was the one and only Cameron Grimes. Um, he comes out, <laughs> he wants to finish the chat that they were having earlier. It wasn't really a chat, it was just a, a brief word between each other. Regardless, um, he says that uh, Brombreaker's got that title because of his last name. Uh, no one knew who my daddy was. He says, look, it's fine. Clearly it wasn't, but that's the problem. You know, your dad was sat front row watching you win that title. My dad had to look down and, uh, and witness me winning mine sort of thing. He says, look, I respect you, Brom. You get better and better every time you step into this ring. But you don't have the heart uh, and, uh, that I've got, and I'll put that up against anyone. He's tired of talking about good kids. Uh, he's tired of You're not. lines and catchphrases. <laughs> I think you've missed it. Um, and he challenges Brom for the title at the Great American Bash. Like, I feel so guilty, like, not connecting with the subject matter when it's very harsh not to. But don't do this on this show. Don't mug me off. Like, I understand that every show needs tone and light and shade and all the rest of it. But like, I have been told by the brain geniuses who write this show to watch it with my pants down, my cock out, my brain turned off, and look at the pretty colors, look at the big tits, look at the big cocks. Um, just, 
and Captain Fran. We're all, we're all grown ups here. And then to do some incredibly like layered attempt at super emotional subject matter where someone appears to be invoking their deceased father and yeah. turning heel in the yeah. process and just don't give me this yeah, it was dangerous enough trying to have a tug to Euro trash. The last thing you want them to cut to a funeral rather than like a German shit <laughs> farm. You know. Why what is it with WWE, right? And making ostensibly babyface stories fighting for the honour of your, your <laughs> dead father or this amazing story of Lacey Evans and them going, that's pretty heelish, that. Hatred. The whole company is New York City and Ghostbusters 2 with the pink hatred slime that runs underneath it. Like, it just... Goo. Get it right. It's, it's goo, yeah. <laughs> They've got a lot of it free. It's just... This was... Like, it's it's not a total disconnect from where Cameron Grimes was at before. Not completely, anyway. I did like the line, you know, because of your last name. Breaker. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, who, who are you on about? Um, oh, Jeff Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> Greatly. Uh, just, it's... It's it's a reasonable direction for Cameron Grimes to go in, having like suffered a loss and suffered a setback, and think I'm not going to fart around anymore. I can call my. You can do that here. There's no established rankings and rules, so you mm-hmm. can just call your shot. And the match will probably be decent. But, oh yeah, but just echo all those criticisms. It's just it's kind of like you have to watch this and accept it to be fake in order to just to not be really put off by it. So when you're thinking, oh, it's okay. This is this is not real. Like they're on the level. Then it actually takes away your emotional investment too. So you cannot win. Just the idea of you just sat there and like listening, like, all right, this tone. Oh, it's, oh God. Sit back up. <laughs> <laughs> come on, have some decorum here. Well, I've got to be honest. I felt like my, all my Christmas had come at once here. Tony D's challenging for the North American Championship. Cameron Grimes is challenging for the world title. And I was like, well, I guess that's it. Life can't get any better. And then it did later on. But we'll get to that in How long? Do you think this year's Great American Bash sign, like in tribute to the one, that the, the desperation one they did in 2020? With Bruce Jensen with his hand in his cock. The, the, the NXT logo, but with like an Adam <laughs> Wilborn face slapped over the top. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double Wilborn main event. <laughs> uh, Tatum Baxley's backstage chatting to Ivy Nile. And Ivy Nile's being nice, saying, I've seen all the work you've been putting in. Keep it up. Roderick Strong's like, stop being nice to everyone. That's not what we do here, you, you know. And, he, and she said, oh, well, I've just been watching her because I've been, I think she said she'd been injured, hadn't she? Or she was getting over an injury. And she was like, he was like, no, we don't have that in Diamond Mine. You just strap it up. You keep going, you know. You know do, like you, a five-year-old telling a four-year-old how to swim. <laughs> so <laughs> don't take that seriously. And it's probably dangerous. <laughs> Creed's come in and he says, what the bloody hell are we doing shaking hands with them after that match? And they go, eh, it's just us. It's nothing. Don't worry about it. And, uh, and uh, they say, you know what? We've got some good news. You and uh, uh, Damon Kemp, you've got a, you've got a match next week. And Strong's like, oh, but my leg hurts or something. And uh, oh, it's his ankle, sorry. And they go, oh, wait a second, you were just saying, well, we'll strap it up and carry on. And he's like, I did like Roderick Strong throwing a strop was quite good. Where he stormed off. Fine, great, yeah, come on, Damon, come with me. Like it's it's sort of funny in that way that it's just it's ludicrous, but it's so bad this. It's so, like Roderick Strong can't perform it all that well, but like it, the stroppiness did come across pretty funny. I'll give you that. Just what's it based on? What is it based on, right? If you imagine like, like you know, to use Nathan Frazier's favourite sport, if you imagine like Alex Ferguson every year, like lifting that trophy with his successful, like ruthless Manchester United team season after season, famed for the hairdryer, right? Like if they're going 1-0 down or even 0-0 at half time, like they're getting this bollocking from Alex Ferguson because they've got to be the best, be the best, be the best. And then you see the trophy getting lifted. And he's like, pull that f-ing trophy down. <laughs> this is not the time to celebrate. 
this is we, we've won. Like we've, we've followed your instructions, and we this is gone really, really well. And the stated aim has been achieved. Put it down. We, we won, won the again. title and we defended it, which yeah. is like the first thing that people say is like, "Oh, you've you've not really won a title until you've properly defended it." Well, they've done both in the space of two weeks. They've walked in with the belts slung over their shoulders. It's going well, Roderick. <laughs> Smell the flowers, mate. <laughs> better than it is for you. Maybe that's the point. It's jelly. Yeah, it's, it's jelly. Um, Maybe, yeah. Von Wagner was interviewed backstage, but he didn't say a word. So <laughs> I don't care, but I think that's all uh, They're going to have a match with uh, Boris Johnson or something next week, and everyone's back oh from ringside. Who cares? <laughs> it's time for the debut, though, of Giovanni Vinci. Uh, loved this with the the, the hmm. snapshots as he's walking to the ring and his little smile and his woman bright white. It's Fabian Knight now. He's got new teeth. New yeah. teeth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and every time he posed for a little photo, they had like Vinny Vidi Vinci uh, pop up on the screen. Uh, and he wrecked Guru Raj, another dominating debut here. Uh, just, just headlock takeover, running shoulder. Raj got a drop kick in, uh, but that just pissed Vinci off. And uh, spinning springboards, crossbody, hard clothesline, and then he does a sort of sit out last ride power bomb thing uh, for it. Oh, great, a good squash, and he's good at the gimmick. So until like all the charm wears off, well done. I'm, I'm into it again. <laughs> Bang into this. Like, I reckon he's one of those who's like Frazier. Like, he's just, his body control and his ability is just so unreal. Like, if he wants to. Match. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be f- <gasps> incredible. Give me that on a. Yeah. Give me that on a bloody Halloween Havoc or whatever it is to do these days. <laughs> Stand and deliver. Um, he could probably, if he wanted, just fly from one side of that building to the other. <laughs> what a gifted athlete he is. Mm. How incredible is he at making himself look hard and just fast and. Proper modern hybrid with athlete that body stuff. Well. And that body, the look, just looks hard as nails. Oh my god! It's like, some of it shouldn't have worked. So I'm like, I'm cooing over this heel. <laughs> so it's a bit, but I don't care. It's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, Solo Chico has been uh, chatted to by Mackenzie backstage. I thought he had next, but apparently not. Obviously. Uh, oh yeah. What was the last three months of life? <laughs> Anyway, he's talking about the North American Championship when in walks Grayson Bloody Waller, who's like, nah, 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 we heard it so many times. And, and he's like, well, I won last week. He's like, well, Apollo Bloody Cruz won. You just rode his coattails, mate. Uh, and Solo said, let's spin it for real and see what happens. And Grayson Waller went, what? <laughs> apparently, it's a match next week. Latest Grayson Waller gimmick is apparently Michael Hanflet's spirit animal because I really admire how little respect he has for the bloodline. <laughs> like, he does not care. And he's like, here, what is? Like, Popped, actually yeah. popped. Like that character needs to exist in, like, on the main roster. Somebody needs to just not hold them in. Like, even Riddle, who's feuding with them and wants to fight Roman Reigns, like, has to go to the trouble of being like, like, yeah, 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 bloodline. He's got to like show reverence, sort of thing. And mm. I understand you got to put your opponent over, but like, I, th- I found it quite refreshing. Yeah. Somebody was like, that's all bollocks, and it's also a bit weird. I think you're lame. Like, I, I, I know he's the heel, but I. No, I found that quite refreshing. Uh, Malik Blade and Idris Sanofi are, are licking their wounds. They're not happy with losing, but they say, oh, well, we'll get another shot. And then in comes Cameron Grimes and says, you shouldn't be this complacent. What if you never get another shot like that? I bet they will. Um, and why are you trying to leave before the show's over? You're not hungry enough. Uh, I'm hungry. He talks about <laughs> Idris Sanofi looking like a statue. Good assessment. Uh, he doesn't want him to waste his talent because uh, Cameron Grimes doesn't waste his own. I thought, I mean, yeah, they're going to make it this a stable. Oh, no, that's going to be my favourite. Who's the stable? Idris, Malik, Cameron. Boom. He's going to teach them about respect, and then when they start winning a few matches, bollock them for not doing it the right <laughs> Yeah. Thing. Oh, we've never seen this before. This took me back to, remember that segment on Raw, where 
WWE were angry that Carlito just like didn't care enough about this business. Uh, so they had Ric Flair bollock him and right, what are you doing later with a building? Right, well, I'm done, Rick. So are you, mate. You're wearing a fucking t shirt. <laughs> right. So it's this company guy. <laughs> no, I got, this got me very excited. This was the cherry on top of the ice and on top of the cake for me. This is it main event time. Nope, it is time for uh, Sticks in Two Dimes uh, versus Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. D'Angelo, uh, Tony, that is, uh, was uh, causing some distractions early on to allow the heels to get control. Uh, Trick Williams got a hot tag, cleaned house, and uh, at that point, Cruz del Toro tried to interfere, tried to help out the family, springboarded into the ring, uh, but completely took out uh, Stacks, I believe it was. And uh, del Toro got taken out of the ring by Williams. Hayes got tagged in and hit that brilliant leaping guillotine leg drop off the top rope to get the one, two, three, four, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. After the commercial break, Tony's backstage with Legado del Fantasma and he says, what did I say? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was if Stax was doing it. He said, uh, what did I say about working for me? I'm the Don. What I say, you do. Your job was to help Stax, and this guy's not probably going to be in here next week, uh, two times, uh, and you failed the Don. And then uh, just rolling her eyes and just going, check out this dickhead. <laughs> just looking at um, Santos instead. And he says, what are you looking at him for? He's not your boss anymore. I am. <laughs> what you did in your previous regime is who gots in this family. You're at the bottom. Be better. Next time, and by the way, next time is when I beat Carmelo Hayes for the North American Championship next week. <laughs> Thoughts on the match in there, post uh, Very, 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 very little thought of the match. Um, and I I loved it. Cause I Love was, Cruz del Toro. Yeah. I, I liked him th- three years ago. It's fine. It was Watching this, it was like, right, I have to pay attention to this. There's literally no point in appraising this fellow's performance. <laughs> and uh, sorry, the match is that there's problems in the family. Mm. Can't go with Thank you, Tony, for all that exposition in your private locker room. I really appreciate being reminded where the story's going. (laughs) Keep that to yourself. Uh, Right now, it is main event time. It was Toxic Attraction versus Indy Hartwell, Cora Jade, and Roxanne Perez. Uh, Side slam drop rose early on, and that took Toxic Attraction out to the the outside to have a sort of huddle to decide what they're going to do. And what they're going to do is slide back in and then get their asses kicked and knocked out the other side of the ring to take us to a break. When we go... Uh, to the break and come back. The heels have gained an advantage. They are getting the heat on Cora Jade. All of Toxic Attraction come in and work her over. But eventually she gets to her corner, tags in Roxanne Perez, who, uh, as we said, is just brilliant, comes in. Uh, House of Fire when she comes in. Um, uh, at that point, Mandy Rose tries to get involved and Hartwell just nails her with this strike, chucks her out the ring, chucks JC Jane off the top rope, who's trying to get involved as well. Uh, Mandy Rose pulls Hartwell out the ring and Hartwell just turns around and just lariats her head off at ringside. Um, Perez tags in Cora Jade, who comes off the top with a scent on that looked like oh, a rough one to take for Gigi Dolin. She didn't move and uh, was, was sounding like she was pretty hurt, to be honest. No word on that as of yet, uh, as far as I've seen. Uh, anyway, Jade tags Perez back in, and presumably as a result of that, because I thought Perez was going to hit something big off the top like they often do, Perez just went, yeah, let's just get this one over and done with, and pinned Shizhi Dolin, toxic attraction, defeated Michael Hamflet. Yeah, like, there wasn't a lot to this work-wise. There was very few flashpoints with which, like, worthy of identifying, or, like, which, it's it's a bit of a shame, to be honest, because if they're trying to tell the story of, obviously, um, uh, Indy Hartwell, 
being the, the next sort of like singles breakout of these people that are trying to take down toxic attraction. What we've talked about, the possible breakout being used to tag belts, the, the split there is fairly obvious, but there was nothing really within the body of the match that suggested that, so that was a bit of a shame. Otherwise, you, the bigger picture is, ooh, like, toxic attraction can be beaten. They've had the championships for ages, but they can be beaten. But it's, like, that all feels a bit fake. Like, you're doing match-to-build match stuff. And no, like, at no point do I feel like Mandy Rose's title is like, under threat against an Indy Hartwell. You've got to put that in the match. You've got to insert it and make it feel realer than they all did here, and that's a fault of the wrestlers, but also a fault of the agent, and it's a, it's a lazy thing that, like, they think they can just fart this match out and assume, now I have watched this, I can infer that mm. the titles are in peril. Like, there's more to the art of that, because it's, like, it's such a, that in itself, it's such a dated concept yeah. that might have worked in, like, I don't know, when, like, Raw Nitro going head-to-head. We're so far removed from that now. You've got to put it into the bones of the match and the story as well. You can't just do the result and have people go, well, now I know that's happened, they're mm. the form players. It's it's not as simple as that now. It did make me think, though, whether or not Roxanne Perez, uh, off the back of this, wasn't a good match, in my opinion, this. But I did think off the back of this, maybe because of how WWE likes to do a match to promote the exact same match, is going to have this thing where she uses her cash-in thing, which they seem to hint at that you could cash in like a Money in the Bank thing briefly. I, I, I picked up that on commentary, but who knows. Um, where you have like a uh, Rock, Kane and Undertaker versus McMahon and, and Triple H and what have you, where like whoever pins mm. someone becomes the world champion and the other two become the, like all the belts are on the yeah. line or something along those lines, just off the back. Don't hear that. But yeah, it wasn't a great advert, I thought, this for any of that. No, there's all sorts of problems with this and they all begin and end with a finish. Realistically, the match was noth- nothing decent about that. But we've discussed this. It's the, uh, the Sanger principle of NXT 2.0 because there are so it's just flooded with green wrestlers that it can't exist as this tiered system of characters or you've got a heart. Maybe in about 10 years, it can be as good as me, who's been here 10 minutes. Like that's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's preposterous. This doesn't function as a television show, nor as a wrestling show, nor as a developmental show. So when you've got Toxic Attraction, who are cast as the ultimate heels and the best in the business, and we're on top, and it's our world, and you absolutely botch a finish like this and like badly kind of hurt yourself. Um, so I really felt sorry uh, for Gigi Dolan, but this is just the referee was screaming, cover, cover. So something... Very awry must mm. have happened. Yeah. So it wasn't particularly ideal. And ultimately, Dakota Kai, across 27 days of her life this year, across 27 days from day one to 27, was considered championship material to, oh, uh, just get rid of her because she doesn't want to resign anyway. Right. And Toxic Attraction lost those tag team titles for like three days. So they've already proven that themselves vulnerable mm-hmm. like a couple of months ago. So it's not as if this big epic reign where like there are any fractures of which it's just, it's nonsense. It's absolutely chaotic nonsense and it's uh, so boring to me. Well, let us know your thoughts on NXT 2.0 on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back later on today looking ahead to AEW Dynamite and that bonkers show for Road Rager. <laughs> uh, but for now, this has been the uh, NXT 2.0 review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. 
It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skide trætte af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakker.